Hey there, and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. This is Brett, and uh, we're back with another episode. Uh, before we hop into today's topic, um, no major announcements or anything, but just wanted to say a huge thank you to uh, the people that reached out to me personally. Um, you know, after the last couple of episodes, particularly the episode um, "Is Ignorance Bliss." Uh, you know, um, these are difficult topics and we've got a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on in the world and people are trying to make sense of it all. And uh, I just appreciate that um, people have reached out to show me support, um, knowing that uh, my intentions with all of that is really to support other people. But more than that is to actually have these types of conversations that are open, that are honest, uh, even though they're quite difficult to have. Um, so anyway... Um, with all that said, uh, so a huge thank you to those people. You'll know exactly who you are and uh, to anyone else, even if you didn't reach out and you just thought about it. Um, well, cool. Thank you. Um, so on to today's topic, which is another hot button topic happening right now in the Northern Hemisphere anyway, uh, is seasonal allergies. And uh, I've had a few people reach out to me and sort of ask me, uh, what are my thoughts on that and what can we do? And I thought, um, you know, why not just record a podcast on it? And uh, that way it uh, lives in the ether forever and uh, you can come back to this as much as you need. So um, the other goal here and my intention with this podcast today is to get you thinking a little bit differently about seasonal allergies, okay? I'm not going to talk too much today about food allergies. It'll tie in a little bit here, um, but uh, I do have some other episodes that dive a lot deeper into food allergies. So why don't we just uh, start off here um, with seasonal allergies and talk a little bit about some of the symptoms that you might be experiencing. And of course, if you are a seasonal allergy sufferer, you will know this uh, better than I would. Uh, and a couple of distinctions here, um, because you know the time of year that we're at right now is a very interesting time. Um, we've come out of winter, um, and winter can often be a very stressful time on people's bodies, right? Just because of uh, cold, uh, there's weather. You know, we've had lots of colds and flus go around. Um, this also happens to be the time of year when our vitamin D levels are the lowest. And of course, as we know, uh, vitamin D, you know, really opens the door to many different uh, possible issues that can crop up due to vitamin D deficiency. So um, this is also a time of year, as we can see now with, um, you know, with, with COVID, with flu, with colds and stuff like that, a lot of people now have upper respiratory issues. And so it's very, um, you know, it's very difficult now to kind of discern, like, am I suffering from a seasonal allergy? Is it a cold? Is it a flu? Is it COVID? COVID. And um, what you're going to find is there are a couple of distinctions here. And, and the one thing that you can be sure of, and I think this is very telltale, uh, first of all, seasonal allergies have nothing to do with the virus. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, whereas cold and flu, uh, we are dealing with uh, different types of viruses there. Um, the length of symptoms is also important here. When you look at flu, the symptoms usually last three to seven days. Uh, a common cold might be seven to 14 days, it might be longer if your immune system is depleted, um, whereas seasonal allergies can really last weeks, right? So two to three weeks, possibly even a little bit more, depending on what you're actually reacting to. And also the severity and the number of different 
things that you are reacting to, right? So that's a little bit different. You're going to find as well that with seasonal allergies, you're not going to have any fever, Okay, you will never have a fever with seasonal allergies, whereas with colds, um, with flus, you will you will definitely have a fever. So that's, again, another distinction to make there. And very occasionally with a cold, uh, you might have um, uh, you might have a fever there. OK, the telltale sign here is uh, things like rhinitis. Right. So um, you're going to have a lot of sinusitis, nasal congestion. Um, there's going to be itchiness. You might even find that, uh, you know, lots of sneezing, um, itchy eyes, itchy skin. So that's really a lot of the symptoms there and uh, this redness. And, and what we're going to talk about today is obviously uh, we'll, we'll talk about histamine here in a minute. Now, one of the things when you talk about food allergies, what we have is we have this idea between what are called fixed allergies and cyclical allergies. So we're talking food here. A fixed allergy is something that you will have forever. Okay. And when it comes to food, we find that give or take about 20% of food allergies are fixed. In other words, you will never really be able to tolerate them. Uh, typically, they are immediate type of reactions. And 80% of food reactions are cyclical reactions. Okay, So in other words, if I avoid or abstain from that food for a certain period of time, um, I will be able to tolerate that food in small amounts, um, you know, uh, yeah, in, in the long run. Okay. Now, when it comes to seasonal allergies, um, seasonal allergies are, let's put it this way, for a lot of people, they're going to have fixed seasonal allergies in that they will always be sensitive to it. However, we're going to talk about something called the total load in just a minute. And I also want to, before I get into that, I want to just um, get a little bit technical here for a minute. Seasonal allergies are immediate type of reactions, Okay, so everyone who suffers from seasonal allergies, you will know this. You're exposed to an allergen, right? Let's say pollen, for example, and you're going to have an immediate reaction. So all of those symptoms that I listed before, you're going to notice that within minutes, right? Within half an hour, you're going to notice that. This is mediated by what are called IgE antibodies. Okay, so IgE antibodies, these mediate immediate reactions, Okay, and that's why you will see uh, from a food perspective, it's always going to be gastrointestinal and then skin. Uh, from a seasonal allergy perspective, it's going to be the mucous membranes, right? So the respiratory tract, the nasal uh, cavities, sinuses, and then skin as well if it gets really um, bad. And what IgE-mediated reactions do in a nutshell and very simplistically here is they uh, produce histamine. Okay, so I'm sure we're all f familiar with antihistamines, right, which is a common medication for seasonal allergies. And basically what's happening is that histamine, uh, we, we naturally produce histamine, right? There's an ebb and flow with histamine production where we make a certain amount and then we degrade it and we make more and then we degrade it. So there's, for most people, histamine production is always going to be in some kind of balance, right? The problem here is we have an overproduction of histamine because the immune system is dysfunctional. Okay, we'll talk about why that might be in a minute. So the immune system now is overreacting to these allergens and is causing an excess in histamine production and that excess in histamine production is causing all of the symptoms. Um, so that's really what's going on here in a nutshell. And of course, the, the big questions here must be why is my immune system 
dysfunctional? Why is it imbalanced? Right? So that's a good question. Why is my body not able to break down histamine effectively? Okay, we'll talk about that as well. And then what can I do to help myself here? How can I how can I balance my immune system so that I'm not overreacting? Okay, so let's talk about that uh, now. So when it comes to this, and, and I want to just zoom right out and, and give you a broader perspective here. Um, when we talk about something called the allostatic load, okay, allostatic load, uh, sometimes this is reco- uh, referred to as the total load, uh, sometimes it's referred to as our total body burden or our barrel in simplistic terms. And uh, the barrel effect is a very useful analogy here, and uh, it really helps to explain our total load or allostatic load. So when we talk about this, uh, I want you to envision your body as a barrel. And that barrel gets filled up with all sorts of stuff. Okay. And we can look at, uh, I'll just, you know, we can look at diet, right? So it's going to be filled up with diet um, and reactions to diet, right? It can be uh, genetics. It can be environment, so allergies, toxins, chemicals, that sort of stuff. Um, Genetics would play into this. Our emotional and mental state will tie into this. And so all of these things fill up my barrel. And when my barrel gets to the top, I have no more room. And so anything that I try and add into that barrel will overflow. And that overflow is really the symptoms that you're experiencing. This allostatic load concept and this this total, uh, the, the barrel effect concept is not only um, relegated to, to allergies, right? It, it ties into everything. And this is why detoxification is so important because when you detoxify, what you're actually doing is draining that barrel. And of course, you're never going to drain it completely because you know we're human beings living in the real world. But the point is that you want to drain it to a point where it's below the top level, right? So it's not full anymore. And the distance between where the barrel overflows and where you drain it to, what that does is it gives you some headroom, okay? And that headroom translates to tolerance, and when we have tolerance, we become less reactive. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense, right? So we want to drain the barrel. We want to lower the total load. We want to lower our allostatic load. And there's a number of different ways that we can do that. The first thing that we can do, right, because remember, our immune system is overreacting to these allergens, right? Well, the first thing we should be doing is we should be identifying and eliminating food allergies and food sensitivities, now, again, you know, I mentioned before about IgE-mediated allergies. IgE-mediated food allergies, these are immediate food reactions, really only account for about 10 to 15% of food reactions, right? Most food reactions, most sensitivities are IgG-mediated and they are delayed in that they can take place anywhere from four hours to four weeks upon exposure or consumption of that food. So you might want to look into actually doing IgE and IgG food sensitivity testing that can help. Or you could do an elimination diet. Uh, You could do something like fasting, 
right? So there's lots of different ways that we can um, identify that, right? An elimination diet, as much as it's very uh, cumbersome and difficult to do for a lot of people, is really the best way to test for that. Uh, but if you want to just cut to the chase, uh, an IgE and IgG food combination test uh, is really a good way to go. Okay, and then what that will do is it will at least help to show you what your uh, what the food reactions are. And now, when I remove those foods, what it does is it lightens the load on my immune system. Okay, and that's going to help to start stabilizing and balancing your immune system, so that hopefully it will become less reactive to these um, uh, allergens found in the environment. Okay, so there's that. The second thing we can do from the dietary perspective is we can actually follow a low histamine diet. Okay, so remember, what's happening here is we have a, a very high amount of histamine being produced because of these allergens. So what we can do is we can help the body and say, well, if there's foods that are high in histamine, maybe I want to look at um, not consuming those foods and adding more histamine into my body. Okay, now some of the foods here that we would be looking at would be things like cured or fermented meats, okay? So these would be uh, sausages, salami, uh, ham, uh, wine, beer, alcohol, champagne, no surprises there, uh, tomatoes, eggplant, spinach, right? Frozen, salted, or canned fish, okay? So this might be cans of sardines, cans of tuna, etc. Uh, vinegar and uh, ketchup, okay? Now, I want to make a quick note here. Um, on this other subset of uh, histamine foods. And this, these are fermented foods. Okay, so fermented dairy, so cheese, yogurt, buttermilk, kefir, fermented vegetables such as sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, pickles, kombucha. All right, these are all things, uh, fermented soy products, tempeh, miso, um, natto, etc., why, you know, and this is where we kind of get into the, the weeds a little bit here because normally fermented foods are very good, right? They support our microbiome. They've got lots of beneficial bacteria. But there are people who are very sensitive to these foods. And oftentimes it's people that already have a high histamine load, okay? So as in people suffering from seasonal, food, uh, seasonal allergies, uh, maybe um, food allergies as well. But there's also people that have a difficult time breaking down histamine in their body. Okay, and again, I'll get a little bit technical here. There is an enzyme in the body called diamine oxidase. Okay, so diamine oxidase, DAO. And DAO is an enzyme. We actually find this. It's very rich in mother's milk, by the way. But what happens is DAO is this enzyme that helps to break down histamine. And for certain people, they actually have genetic um, polymorphisms or genetic quote-unquote defects whereby they just lack this inability to uh, produce enough DAO enzyme and uh, therefore break down histamine. So you can imagine if you've got a high total load, you've got other food allergies and sensitivities going on, you've got these seasonal allergies and, you're, and now you're eating you know, all of these fermented foods and stuff like that because you're trying to get probiotics in, your histamine levels are through the roof. And if you double down and you do have this DAO SNP or genetic issue, you're going to have a very, very difficult time uh, breaking down that histamine and you're going to be in a very hyper-inflammatory state. Okay, so um, one of the things we can do for that is obviously we can avoid these histamine foods, but what we can also do if you really wanted to, right, you don't have to, 
but there are actually DAO enzyme supplements out there. And uh, I find that these work very, very well for the immediate, right? So for people that are suffering right now, if you just want to get those histamine levels down and just, just break it down, the DAO supplement can really help with that when you couple it with the low histamine diet. But coming back to these fermented foods, you know, this is where we, again, we get into the weeds with probiotics because probiotics, we, you know, there's so much research coming out on probiotics now with regards to immunity, with regards to inflammation, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so normally what we would think is, oh, you know, probiotics are good for immunity. Therefore, I should just take lots of probiotics um, for seasonal allergies in this case. Well, this might actually backfire because a lot of those probiotics, dare I say most most of them actually cause more histamine production. So this is one of the reasons why if you fit this type of person that we're talking about here, um, you know, you might actually find probiotics might aggravate the situation. And so you might actually want to look at avoiding probiotics while you're having these um, uh, seasonal allergy reactions. Okay. Now the next thing we want to do is we want to stabilize what are called mast or mast cells. The mast cells of the body, these are the cells that are responsible for histamine production. Okay. And uh, there are some wonderful homeopathics. I'll actually put some links um, in the show notes. Uh, but there's a Canadian company called Boyron. Uh, Boyron makes a very good um, combination product. Uh, there's also another product by Biomed. Um, these are all broad-spectrum homeopathics. Uh, I find the homeopathics work very, very well from an energetic perspective. Uh, they're very easy to take. Um, they're very safe for children to take as well, which is a huge advantage. And most of the time, they come in little pellets or they come in liquid, which makes it very easy to give to children because you're not getting them to swallow capsules and all sorts of other stuff. Okay. The next thing we can do on top of the homeopathics is we can look at quercetin and stinging nettle. Okay, I've heard a lot of um, anecdotal reports. I mean, look, we know that quercetin stabilizes mast cells. We know that it's an anti-inflammatory. Um, there's a lot of benefits there. I've spoken about quercetin before on the show um, with regards to uh, COVID and whatnot um, and viral replication. Of course, it's not the same thing here, but nonetheless, uh, stinging nettle, you know, as well, I've, I've actually know people personally that when they start having these types of reactions, they just start hitting the, the nettle supplements and they take a lot. And what they found is if they, if they continuously take it every couple of hours, they'll actually find the inflammation and those mast cells start to stabilize and uh, they will um, have less inflammation and less histamine production, which translates into less symptoms, okay, which is great. What we could add to this, and there are some combination products out there that will have vitamin C plus quercetin. Um, I find that the amount in those products generally because they're vitamin C plus bioflavonoids, you're going to find quercetin, you're going to find rutin, you're going to find a bunch of other things. And, you know, typically the amounts uh, that you need in there are quite low. And I haven't found a vitamin C product yet that has nettle. So what I would suggest is actually doing quercetin and nettle as, as a sort of standalone because then you can really take as much as you need. And then vitamin C plus bioflavonoids. Um, and again, you know, you the, the, the dosage is, uh, is really going to be dependent on the person. And because vitamin C is water-soluble, it tends to not cause as many problems. Okay, I'm not going to get into all the different types of vitamin C here and bog us down. Um, you know, you could go the liposomal route and uh, the absorption is better. 
Um, but nonetheless, right, you want to just get extra vitamin C in there. The last thing here, and perhaps most importantly, right, so if you followed along, um, you know, maybe, uh, again, detoxification, getting our total load down, identifying and eliminating allergens uh, from the food side of things, uh, lowering the histamine intake from food, what's going to happen just doing those things already is really going to help. It's really going to help lower that total load. It's going to make us less reactive. And then when we add these other products on top and supplements on top, it's really going to double down and make a big difference. The last thing and perhaps the most important thing and ties in with what I said at the beginning of this episode is why is the immune system dysfunctional, right? What else is going on? And, you know, there's a million different things that could be going on from gut infections to mold toxicity to general toxicity, and and that's sort of beyond the scope of what I want to cover today. But there are things that we can take to really balance and support our immune system. Now, as I said earlier in the show, uh, one of the things, one of the most important things for immunity is vitamin D. And uh, this time of year, because we've had a very long period, especially here in the north, a long period of no sunshine, cold weather, wearing clothes, um, and that sort of stuff, and lack of sunshine, our vitamin D levels are really rock bottom right now. So getting on a vitamin D supplement together with vitamin K is usually a good idea. And uh, you want to do three to 4,000 IUs per day. Uh, It might not also be a bad idea to get your vitamin D levels checked and to see, am I in the middle, right? So you don't want to be lower end of the range, depending on where you are in the world and what units you're using. You want to really be in the middle of the range and ideally in the top, um, somewhere near the top, okay? So uh, if I was to break the range up into quarters, you would want to be in the third quarter, somewhere around there. Okay, um, that's really ideal vitamin D levels, and three to four thousand I use is a pretty safe amount. Um, you can take that, and if if you do identify that you have very very low levels, you know, so your levels are are depleted, or you're out of range or bottom of the range, you can take more. You can take up to ten thousand I use short term to try and get those levels back up. Medicinal mushrooms are a fantastic immune modulator, much like vitamin D, right? Vitamin D, if your immune system is low or it's high or there's branches that are overactive or underactive, vitamin D is a fantastic immune modulator. So parts that are low, it will help to bring them up and boost them. And parts that are high will help to sort of tamp them down uh, so that you are less reactive. Okay, so great for things like autoimmune disease and stuff like that. Medicinal mushrooms work very much in the same type of way in that they really help to balance the immune system, but they also have very broad actions when it comes to the immune system. Okay, in that they don't necessarily work on a very, you know, on specific immune cells. They kind of work on everything, right? From natural killer cells to macrophages uh, to T helper cells to T reg cells and so on and so forth. And um, there are a number of mushrooms, um, you know, pretty much all medicinal mushrooms are going to have an effect on the immune system and then also um, sort of secondary and tertiary effects depending on what they do. So I'll just list a couple here um, that I, I think are um, relevant to, to seasonal allergies. Um, the first one really um, that I would choose sort of front and center would be something like reishi. Okay, reishi is is a good mushroom. Um, It has adaptogenic properties. Um, It supports circulation. And of course, it works in the immune system as well. Another really good one is chaga. 
Okay, so chaga um, and this combination mushroom products as well, by the way, um, you know, go and check out Host Defense, uh, Stamet 7 or My Community, right? So broad spectrum mushroom formulations. I'm just sort of picking out uh, some here that I like um, relative to this. So chaga is amazing because in addition to its immunomodulating properties, we also find that it has a very strong action on the mucous membranes, right? Particularly the skin, uh, the respiratory tract, and the digestive tract, right? Lots of antioxidants in there as well, which can really help to uh, tamp down um, the inflammation, okay? Which is sort of the hallmark of what we're talking about here. The other one, which is really good, is um, uh, cordyceps, right? So cordyceps um, is, has very powerful adaptogenic properties. So something we haven't really spoken about yet, but uh, quite relevant here is a lot of times, you know, when people are depleted, when people are stressed out, when we're go, 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 and uh, overworked and tired and all that sort of stuff, it really taxes our adrenal glands. And so when, when our, and of course, when you double down with food allergies and sensitivities, seasonal allergies and so forth, the adrenal glands really get hit quite hard. And so um, what you will find is uh, that the mushrooms here, right, so cordyceps, um, has very, very strong adaptogenic properties, okay? And uh, among many other things, right? So it can really support adrenal health. Um, there, again, there's lots of other mushrooms. Those are the ones I'm just picking out. And again, um, I will I will cite, because uh, I really like them a lot, I will cite uh, Stamet 7. And if you want to really do it up and you want something a little more strong uh, or stronger, um, you can look at my community uh, by host defense mushrooms. The last thing I'm going to talk about here um, is zinc. Okay, and zinc, um, you know, I mean, it's it's a major antioxidant in terms of uh, vitamins and minerals. It's one of the main mineral antioxidants. We know how critical it is for immune system, um, hormones as well, and uh, mucous membranes, I mean, many other things, right? It's very broad in its action. Uh, works very, very well together with quercetin. And again, I've spoken about that uh, relative to COVID, um, but nonetheless, uh, that works together here. So um, what I've covered today is really by no means an extensive list. There's a lot of other things that one could do here. Um, I've really just uh, pulled these things together. And hopefully, if you go back and listen to this, you can check the show notes as well. Um, you know, you, you don't have to throw the kitchen sink at this, all right? And I think th if there's one thing I want to really impart with you here is you know people are very accustomed to adding more right so add more add more take more supplements eat more of these do, you know all of these types of things and and I'm a huge fan of removing things right so when you remove things and we lighten the load the body actually has more tolerance it has more resiliency to kind of bounce back and self regulate more and then we what we do is we augment and enhance that with some of these supplements that we've spoken about So what I've done is uh, you can actually just check, click in the show notes. Um, I've actually put together a couple of protocols. You don't have to do the whole protocol. You don't have to get everything. But what I've done is sort of pulled out some things because um, I know it's difficult shopping for supplements and looking around and trying to find things and uh, then comparing which is what's best and what's not. So what I've done um, is uh, you can click the links below. Um, if you're in the U.S., just click the U.S. link. If you're in Canada, click the Canadian link. And I've put together some uh, products that 
that can help you navigate this. And uh, what you can do is you can purchase that from my online dispensary. Um, you can find that at your local health food store. Um, you can add things. You can remove things. So you can actually modify that protocol based on your needs. And, uh, of course, if you're not in North America, um, you can still click on that and uh, hopefully find similar products um, wherever you are in the world. So... Hopefully, um, this has helped you, and uh, I, I think it's very timely given the time of year. And uh, if you have any feedback, I would love to hear that. And I really hope um, that this information can help you, uh, can help your loved ones, your, your children, and anyone else suffering from seasonal allergies. So thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, you can share this with your friends, your family, and your community. And uh, that's it from my side. Have a beautiful day, wherever you are. 